before I get into this episode, I have to tell you about Making Marketing. It's a weekly conversation with the people who are leading and innovating the world of marketing, be it data, brand safety, transparency, relationship with platforms, or emerging markets like cannabis. They're at the front line. Some of our recent guests include David Dancer of MedMen, Droga5's Neil Heyman, and Vimla Bakupta of Equinox. Tune in on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangul. We recently hosted the Digiday Programmatic Media Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona. And this session is with Nicole Goxel the Senior Director of Digital Revenue Operations at Tribune Media. She talks about why ads.txt won't solve ad fraud, why the news category is yielding low CPMs, and more. Listen in. So let's dive in on the pricing point that I just ran through there. Mm -hmm. uh, to what degree is programmatic still a race to the bottom when it comes to pricing? I mean, it seems to me that publishers are having to sort of run faster and faster to, just to stand still, to use yeah. that expression? I think it's a challenge, right? Um, for publishers, the biggest thing is getting competition into uh, the wrapper or through server-side, client-side, server-side, and getting as many partners in as possible to create competition to keep those eCPMs high. But at the same time, with first, uh, first price, we will see what will happen if that's going to change the game in the next couple of years. Where do you stand on first price? How much of, uh, of your inventory are you selling through first price? Um, we are working with a couple of partners with first price, but a lot of it's still second price. OK. All right. Um, so something that we talked about uh, before this session was uh, this idea of transparency. And again, that's something that came up in our research, something that obviously is a concern for the buy side. Uh, what are some of your frustrations on that side? Again, transparency can mean very yes. many different things. Exactly. So for publishers, I think um, the thing is there's a lot of algorithms and machine learning, and there's decisioning that's happening um, that we're not understanding or aware of, and that's impacting the demand and the revenue that we're seeing across the board from the DSPs. Um, you know, the demand could be uh, impacted by viewability or the type of content that you're creating. Um, if something's being flagged as hard news, then you're all of a sudden being bucketed into this, um, like, you know, category that's going to get less revenue. And when you try to pick up the phone or talk to someone about, you know, why that's happening, you, it's very difficult to get an answer. <laughs> so there's not a lot of transparency there. Anywhere else, I mean, I, I think. Yeah. Um, let's see. Viewability. Um, you know, people are creating algorithms to forbidding based on viewability, um, based on your comm score rating, and then also, like I said, based on the type of content you're outputting. So you don't know what pe people's secret sauce is and how they're buying your inventory. Okay, and there's, so there's very little visibility into that for you. Even if you do pick up the phone, it's... Pretty challenging. It's pretty yeah. challenging. Because the, the blocks and um, decisioning could be based on the DSP or the advertiser or the training desk and, um, or all of the three. So figuring that out is pretty hard. Yeah. Or could, just talk a little bit about your sort of evolving relationship with vendors and with SSPs. I know one thing yeah. we've heard 
you know, over the past, when I say couple of years, I think it's been longer than that, uh, is publishers trying to work with, with fewer partners on that side? Sure. So um, because of uh, header bidding and server side, we've uh, grown the amount of partners we have. And it's, it takes a lot of effort to onboard partners and to keep up those relationships. Um, I've basically tasked my team with doing a better job of actually reaching out to the SSPs and talking about the performance and trying to get the optimizations to where they need to happen just because the technology is constantly changing. Um, but at the same time, I think because there are a lot of SSPs out there, getting the support and the attention from, from them is often kind of challenging. Um, and they're not necessarily doing the optimizations that they should be doing. So we're, we, I find us often pushing. One thing you'd mentioned to me on the, on the talent side, which I thought was really interesting, was you find it frustrating at times dealing with, with publishers on, on that front. Oh, sorry, with, uh, uh, with, with vendors. With the, yeah, it, both, both sides, actually. <laughs> or with publishers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I think when, when we had less partners, uh, people took, the, took it more seriously. If, if there was a drop year over year, quarter over quarter, month over month, someone would pick up the phone or email and say, like, hey, why did your revenue drop 40% year over year? Now it's like, well, the industry's changed or no big deal, it's just something that I don't understand. So just trying to get straight answers or people that feel, that feel compelled to help you with your business, it's, it's pretty challenging. And I think a lot of it has to do with the maturity and the experience of some of the reps we have. Um, and just the fact that they also, ha they manage a lot of accounts themselves. There's also just too much data. So like, you know, I think it's the big thing for, on both sides for both the publisher and the vendor side is setting up your reports in a way that like these things kind of get flagged more automatically than it being a manual thing that you figure out a month or a quarter later. Okay. Um, is that something publishers should be more proactive with, would you say? Uh, yeah, I do. I think though at the same time it takes a lot of effort to get your reporting stack in place. And you know, especially now with, I keep on talking about the server side, but now you've got like, one partner and you've got two control panels and billings coming in one way from one way in another way and it's pretty difficult to keep your numbers straight. So you've got to stay very organized and, and make sure that you have resource dedicated to keeping your reports accurate and up to date and QAing them because often you've got a lot of reporting issues. <laughs> um, what are some other areas uh, you think publishers should focus on perhaps more than they are? You know, I think just kind of understanding more about the technology that they're utilizing. I think, you know, publishers traditionally have received service and consultation from the outside, and there's not a lot of um, technological support internally. And um, without that knowledge and able to the ability to QA and understand what's going on, um, you put yourself in a, a weakened position. So I think that's something that publishers could do a better job with. Does that come back to sort of the, the lack of talent as well, though? Uh, uh, yeah. Is it hard to find it's, and keep these people? It's, it's talent and it's money, right? So from the talent side, they, they end up jumping around the agencies or the, the SSPs or you know, ad tech vendors kind of will 
uh, dangle more money, better job titles, and they'll jump and, and leave the publisher side. Um, from the publisher side in general, not from a programmatic team's department, but just overall just, I think, allocating money and budget to having a stronger programmatic team would probably behoove them. Okay. One thing that came up in our town hall session just before we began here, and again, sort of a theme of the, the past couple of years is obviously brand safety. Yeah. Um, how are you sort of thinking about that? Um, obviously, you know, Tribune, a lot of news content in there, which perhaps is not the yep. most uh, appealing <laughs> to some advertisers right now. Uh, how, are you, how are you sort of thinking about that? Brand safety. So uh, there's technology, there's layers to kind of understand and better manage that. Um, it requires, you know, the publisher to allocate budget to get that technology in place and to make sure that you're passing the right signals programmatically of what's considered hard news, what's soft news. The thing is, on the demand side, they're also using technology to decide that as well. So yeah. at the end of the day, you could be trying, and that's where I think like a PMP deal or a programmatic guarantee deal of saying like, I can, I can send you brand safe inventory through those kind of channels is helpful. But it's, it's challenging. Um, I definitely think that, um, you know, news, category is definitely suffering from a CPM perspective just because there are blocks happening and the there people are trying to avoid certain topics yeah such as politics <laughs> such as is, is that um, an opportunity for you guys as well though to I, I don't know I mean I guess it yeah. comes down to advertiser education and a, a bunch of other factors but well especially uh, for us because it's local news um, I think that you know, that is where people are going for their content and they, they are looking for a trusted place to, to, to learn about their communities or some other bigger picture things. And there is a, a value prop, I think, though, you know, we do need to do a better job explaining what that is, at least from a programmatic perspective. And I think that's maybe where um, some of the, the local consortiums that exist could help us do that. Okay. Is there something at the individual sort of publisher level that you think? I think it's just outreach and getting out there and, and making people aware that, you know, these audience exists, they do care about local news. And, you know, it's not only hard news, there is some feel-good stuff out there as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, the impact of uh, GDPR as well. How much of... Uh, how much of an issue has that been for you? What, what's sort of been the process there? For us, um, we created a task force internally and we evaluated you know, what we wanted to do. Um, because we're local news, uh, we figured out where we knew that only 1% of our traffic was coming from the EU. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was kind of a no-brainer to just cut off the traffic. And after talking to a lot of people within the industry, it sounded like that's actually what a lot of publishers did was they just cut it out. Um, I don't think that's actually the right long-term strategy, uh, especially because what's happening with California in 2020, and I think, I can't remember if it's Congress or Senate, I think it's Congress, what they're looking to do and establish maybe in the next couple of years. Um, I think, you know, getting consent, how we get consent is something that we need to spend some more time. I was actually reading about... Um, websites that use WordPress plugins for GDPR consent and how they all got hacked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it's like, you know, again, it goes back to the technology and knowing how to do this stuff correctly and, and you know, making a lot of publishers rely on third-party data. And I think, you know, first-party data is, like, now is our time to actually present that first-party data and, you know, get the necessary consent we need to monetize it. So it's an opportunity, potentially. Yeah, I think, again, it's like if you put the right resources and the right people uh, towards that initiative, I think it, it could be something for us to succeed with. But if we use a bunch of third-party vendors to do the hard work for us, you know, mm. the chance of it failing is higher. Do you think publishers are guilty of doing that, sort of relying on third parties? I think Perhaps everyone, most publishers in the room would probably agree with that. Um, <laughs> and you know, part of it is because we don't have the time and resource or budget to do it ourselves. And it sometimes makes sense for the vendor to say, I've, I've found a solution and now I'm offering it to all of these publishers. But at the same time, like the knowledge, the internal knowledge of how this stuff works, functions, or how it should function, it lacks. And you know, you've got to crawl, walk, run, and in many things, we're, we're not really walking because we're relying on others to do the hard work for us. Mm -hmm. And how does that relate to something like uh, ad fraud, for example? Ad fraud is like the vein You're of sighing. my existence. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to solve ad fraud. Um, we've had instances where we've tried to investigate where it's coming from, um, non-human traffic, bots, um, just making sure that you extract, you exclude it correctly from the site and from your ad servers is super important. Um, and you know, right now, the government is actually investigating this industry of, of what's going on and what's happening with programmatic and the bids. Um, and you've got a lot of um, vendors out there that are doing pretty hacky things, and it's hard. You know, the industry's tried to solve it for a long time, and now we've got the government involved. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Um, but I do think that the industry does need to clean up, and I think most people would agree with that. Um, but I think it's not necessarily the people in this room that are the ones that are doing the bad things. It's generally people that are outside of this country. Yeah. Um, to what degree do you think something like ads.txt has the ability to to solve for that? So I was reading some articles about this, and it's like, you know, publishers adopted it really fast and furious, and they were afraid of losing, I think it was Q4 revenue last year. Mm -hmm. So everyone adopted it. But actually, from the buy side, it hasn't been like purely adopted. The thing is, it's super manual. And there's like often like um, spelling errors or the wrong ID has been like uh, shared. And you know, it's just, it's, it's ripe for human error. So I think that um, I look forward to a, a, new, a new version of ads.txt for the industry to utilize. I think we need something like that. But I don't think that like the current version of ads.txt is going to like solve all of our problems. I say that also because it's really easy for me to just put the file at the root of my domain. But actually me getting insight and analysis about what's going on is not easy. It requires me to go and have conversations with my partners and try and figure out what's going on. There's been a couple of publishers that have been successful in trying to figure out what's going on with fraud, but I think for most publishers, they don't have the bandwidth, time, or knowledge to actually like dig into this. And it's much more on the pub side that's like interested in this succeeding. Google is as well, but from the demand side, 
I, I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's just touch quickly on uh, sort of the evolution of uh, heavy bidding and uh, server side. What's, I know you have some you have some thoughts on this. So I think you know every most vendors SSPs want to be um, client side in, in the wrapper, um, but publishers can't do that for several reasons, one of the most important ones being latency. Um, server side is, I think, hopefully maybe going to be the future, but there's some limitations around cookie syncing, um, the fact that the two top server side providers kind of provide black boxes. <laughs> so it becomes really difficult for um, a publisher to understand what's going on and troubleshoot. Um, we onboarded several partners with our with Amazon, with TAM, and you know, we were hoping to see better performance. It's very easy to add five more partners. Actually, it's not, because I still have to sign contracts with all of them. Um, so before I signed all those contracts, I was basically like, the five contracts I've already signed, you need to go to all of them and optimize. I don't want you to like onboard anyone else. Yeah, maybe I'll see a little lift in eCPM, but it's ridiculous. I don't want to keep on adding contracts and onboarding more people that are not optimized, because it's, it's a waste of time. And one example would be I nudged one partner, and two days later, like revenue went up 5x. So it's like I think <laughs> there's definitely just got to nudge more people. That's yeah, the... I think it's it's just like nudging, having more conversations, having more lunch meetings, and you know maybe some more QBRs and trying to figure things out. Um, I did ask, you know, for example, Amazon. I was like how do you troubleshoot this? And they gave me actually a long, like a, a PDF of, of things to, to ask or to change potentially. Um, and the things I had to change actually became a major headache. And so I'm still kind of um, undecided about if I'm a fan or not a fan of, the situ of their implementations. Okay. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. I'd like to open it up for questions if, if we have any. Um, just throw up a hand and we'll get a microphone to you. Okay. Cool. We'll come back and it's oh well, there's one here. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Um, so curious if you're running server and client together. Did you not see any incremental lift between the two? We do. The same partner between two. Okay. We do. And I think that time is going to end at some point because we are kind of double dipping in many ways. I think similar to like the issue we created with header bidding and how the DSPs were saying there's too many requests, you know, we're kind of touching, we're showing our inventory on multiple fronts through both client side and server side. So I look forward to the point where server side is ready and I can actually start pulling down some of the uh, client side partnerships I've got. Hi, Jana. Hi. Hey. Uh, when you say you had to optimize inside of Amazon, what does that mean? I can actually get into this. It's a little te technical, but I think you'll appreciate it. So uh, we were working with A9 for years, like years and years and years. And um, we only had five ad slots. And they were able to see the 42 domains that we have. We have 42 websites. So they were able to see those 42 domains. But it turned out when they like merged it to TAM, all of those d domains, that information wasn't being passed over to the SSPs, to all of the TAM partners. So basically, they gave me the 
documentation and said, okay, you need to change your ad slot so that you're actually showing all of the websites instead of just showing bundled groups. And that's really helped us in terms of revenue. And it's also going to open up the ability to op further optimize and do PMP deals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but did, why didn't they tell you to just begin with? Like, isn't this on them? Absolutely. I, I, would, I would say it is on them. But I think you know, when they onboarded all of these partnerships, I don't think that they gave the best service or explanation or training in getting things onboarded. Sure. And we were excited to do it. And then all of a sudden, we started looking at reporting. And it's like, OK, this doesn't look right. And how do we optimize? And really, it should have been, this is how you do it. And you do it that way. But unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. OK, I think we've got time for one more question. Hi. Could you please speak to uh, optimizing or cleaning up any redundancies that you see in, in an ad text file? I mean, I see when we onboard new people a lot of repeats of what I had in my ads.txt already. Um, and I wonder if there's something to be said about cleaning it up to have less duplication within. Are you referring to like the resellers that are in the ads.txt file? Yeah. I think, again, goes back to like having conversations with your partners and kind of pushing back and asking um, the person who runs the programmatic relationships on my team. He's basically gone to them and been like, why do you need to have these resellers? And it's like, oh, well, it's for this kind of inventory. And it's like, well, we're not doing that type of inventory with you. It's like, OK, well, then it doesn't need to be there. So I think it's just having conversations. And you may be able to strip out some stuff. Cool. But it's hard. I, I don't disagree. Okay, we'll leave it there. Nicole, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you all for listening. I'm Aditi Sangul. Did you like the show? Rate us and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also write to me. I'm at Aditi at Digiday.com or tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sangul. I'll be back soon with another episode.